Oh, it's cracking lovely people. Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gardner, and I'm a nutritional therapist specialising in sports nutrition. Thanks for downloading and listening in. The podcast generally focuses on nutrition, movement and outdoor experiences. The show is supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. Now use Matt10 at checkout for 10% off your first order. And if you're keen on exploring natural sports nutrition products for fueling and recovery purposes, then definitely take a look and I hope you find something useful. If you like the show, please share it with someone. Ultimately, it's the only way the show will grow. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud and leave me a comment or review on Apple Podcasts. That would be mega. So today I welcome Tatiana to the show, a.k.a. Blue Plate Planet. Now, Blue Plate Planet is a community following the journey of a microbiome enthusiast exploring the often surprising and unexpected ways that these tiny creatures impact our health and well-being. By day, Tatiana is an investment professional helping people fund their longer lifespans. And by night, she is hoping to raise awareness of this underrated organ, our gut microbiome, and to educate you to make choices that lead to a longer lifespan. So you can follow her on Instagram at Blue Plate Planet for easy and delicious recipes. That's how we met through Instagram. Um, taking a look at her content, it was mega, and that's why I wanted to bring a conversation to you on the show uh, and tips for relaxation, fitness inspirations, and a glimpse of her London life. So I think this is going to be a really good one, lovely people, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Right, Tatiana, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Nice to meet you. I'm very pleased to be here on, on the Big Feed podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. No, it's, you're really welcome. And I think... Uh, this this area, our conversation today, it's it's been a long time coming. I've I've touched, I've kind of maybe brushed the sides with a few guests before, um. But I think I think this will be a really interesting conversation, and yeah, digging into um a microbiome enthusiast and and you know how we met through Instagram, your lovely photos of food and um some of the things that you've been working on, you know, on the side of your day job and things. And I think yeah, it'll be brilliant. It'll be brilliant. So thanks for your time, and I think just. Let the listeners know, like, how are you at the moment? Where are you? You know, it's still obviously a really strange and difficult time. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm hoping that everyone dialing in is going to leave this podcast being as even just slightly enthusiastic about microbes as I am. Because granted, at first you're like, oh, well, that's a bit weird. <laughs> and we tend to associate microbes with bad things, um, especially during COVID times. But actually, you know, they were very integral and important part of our world they live on us around us and i've discovered the world like you know you just go into it more and more and you just realize how important and influential they are to like every aspect of your health from sleep to nutrition nutrient absorption and if you have an out of balance microbiome it could lead to disease so there's the darker side of it as well and but just in terms of this new field of research, it's really exciting. And looking back 20, 30 years ago, people probably weren't that aware that it's even a thing that you should care about. But actually, the more you dig into it, this is really something very important. And um, yeah, so I came across the gut microbiome the first time when I picked up a book written by a lovely lady called Julia Enders. And it's called Gut, and the book is illustrated with cartoons that her sister drew explaining how the gut works and the gut microbiome. And yeah, that just sparked this whole journey, and I started digging into it a bit deeper. 
and there's tons of research coming out and decided to share this on my Instagram page so that people can also get excited about it and hopefully just join in with some fun recipes and lifestyle things you can do to yeah just look after your microbiome excellent so, so I, go on sorry I'll you, you crack it yeah yeah I was just gonna pop back to you Matt and ask if you had any specific questions about the microbiome or maybe just kick it off by saying what it is <laughs> yeah sure yeah sure it's nice it's nice to get a context and take that you know thirty thousand foot view on how you got into it that you're saying that kind of pandora's box was when you pick when you picked up that book and i've, I've got it actually in my in my cupboard here um, and i'll link i'll link to everyone in the show notes and, and i remember you know i confess i probably haven't read all of it but you know there's there's great parts that are quite like aha moments and I think it is a book that's, that's probably touched quite a lot of people. And I think, you know, a few people listening to this will, will probably know about it. Um, so it is it is a kind of like wow moment when you when you read something like that. And obviously you you just uh, have, have continued down the rabbit hole ever since, it sounds like. Yes, yes. And the thing is, it's wow when you learn about it and you start, every time you make a, a decision, like, what am I eating? You know, you start to think, like, am I eating this just for myself? What would my microbes like? And then you start thinking, why should I be even thinking about this? And you realize they help you absorb nutrients out of your food. They help you make vitamins. Amazingly, we've also discovered this pathway between the brain and the gut, called the, uh, the, the brain-gut axis. And that plays an important role in your mood, um, it influences, or we think it might influence things like asthma, um, anxiety, depression. Yeah, the asthma is obviously a slightly different um, disease there, but it's the microbes in your gut that are creating byproducts and metabolites, and it can communicate and influence the whole rest of your body. And so it might not be the causal thing, so you can't say someone who has depression due to only because they have a gut microbiome, which is unstinct, but it plays an important role too. So yeah, basically um, discovered this organ and um, yeah, have been sharing sharing knowledge on it ever since. It's basically just tons of tiny microorganisms living in, in your gut, which is part of your digestive system, and they live off fibers in our food, which we don't use as human beings. We're actually we eat these fibers to feed our gut microbes. So Think about your veggies, your fruits, your grains, your legumes. These types of things are really high in fiber, which your good gut microbes like. And you can encourage, yeah, the growth of good microbes. And this actually feeds into another really interesting area um, of personalized nutrition, where we're trying to see, you know, why is there so much variation in how people respond to different diets? Why do they have, you know, one person can eat a ton of a certain type of food and not gain any weight and not have any effect like feeling low mood or um, no energy but then someone else will eat the exact same thing and have a completely different effect on him. So there was a very interesting study done recently by King College, um, the depth study was published in the Nature Journal um, earlier this year and they're working with a company called Zoe um, who are working on personalized nutrition so they take your after i mean it's all in its infancy so we're still seeing where it goes but they will measure things like your blood sugar response your blood fat response and eating certain foods and, and then optimize around that so you can choose the foods that work best for you 
yeah wow there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there but i think if i just cover off the the big stuff around if if people haven't really thought about you know say the the type of foods like you're saying there um and they do you know there's potential for it to influence mood energy levels um and um you know they're you know they're such massive pillars for people um you know for performance i know we might get on to physical performance and that's something that i spend a lot of my time um speaking to people about but um just you know being well being able to turn up not just to training but to um you know feeling your best at work and obviously when the world opens up socializing and things like that too so it's just that you know you're you're, you're moving uh, things in more towards the health pot not just the performance pot um and then you know if we narrow into what you said there about uh, blood sugar and and blood lipids and things like that you know, for people that are maybe new to some of that, obviously, once you've eaten something, that response and how things are happening in the body, you know, we, we're, we're kind of told with these lists of foods, like, right, something that's uh, um, potentially going to produce more of a response, a more rapid response of blood sugar on paper. But then when people are tested, you know, they find that actually, you know, they, they, they tend to deal with those foods really well. Um, whereas, whereas others, you know, will we'll try and eat some, I don't know, let's say, your oats or or let's say your bran flakes or something that you think would produce a you know quite quite a uh, let's just say a normal rise in blood sugar um and then the people are tested and there and and it isn't the case so that you know that fascinating area of personalizing research and obviously most people listening to this aren't going to be measuring their blood sugar all the time of course not but i think it's something for us to just take stock and i'll link to that to some of that research like you said even though it's early in in uh, it's in its infancy but i think people can step back and consider you know a few hours after after a meal energy levels concentration am i running to the loo you know obviously we're not diagnosing anything but i think it's just being just being more aware isn't it of 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 what you can do with your food and how it can how it can and may influence your mood and your energy levels absolutely yes totally agree with that um yeah i if there are any other topics maybe that you would like to dive into, um, I recently actually started doing an, an evening course on the gut microbiome, just keeping on top of new projects that people are working on in the field. Mm. And it's quite interesting that there's um, a group who are studying the gut microbiome and how it's actually changed with our Western civilization and people maybe who are living in more traditional environments. And we're actually seeing a very large loss of biodiversity in the gut microbiome. And people are starting to suspect that this might be what's behind the steep rise and things like asthma and allergies. Um, so, yeah, that's also another area. So we should be not only conserving all the creatures on our planet that we can see, but also what's lovely living in our, our gut. And a lot of these things, it's just showing that if you have a very diverse microbiome, you have lots of little players in your your gut jungle, and I like to, lots of people like to think about it that way. Um, it just really helps, you know, you, you have something that you can use for a variety of different um, functions and protects you from a variety of different um, stresses that your system might be up against. So it's great if you have lots of big toolkits <laughs> of warriors to help you out. And we're sadly seeing that in the Western world, but things like the standard um, American diet, people are just losing that biodiversity and they just have fewer of the good microbes um, 
and just a, a larger proportion and of bad microbes and also just overall a much poorer community. Mm. So, yeah, that's also... Yeah, and that's and uh, you know that that's something to consider, and obviously it's amazing like people like yourself looking into the the patterns of research and then being able to translate that into right, okay, you know we we've seen this and um it it might be affecting people's health and and people's weight and um you know the 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 kind of instances of non-communicable diseases and things like that, and then I suppose is is the point that you know boots on the ground for someone to walk away from this today and think what can I do is the the diversity conversation in terms of you know colorful um you know plant-based foods um picking up on you know the plant compounds within these foods obviously you can get technical around polyphenols antioxidants things like that but really it's it's could you introduce a different a different uh, you know food or two in in a certain meal you know if someone was looking at your instagram and looking for a kind of diy colorful salad to pick up maybe three times a week you know some yeah. something like that in terms of a practical point maybe maybe we just speak for a couple of minutes about that and and then obviously i can i can link to some more of the the detailed research in that wonderful book that you were talking about as well so you know what are some of these what are some of these tips that that you know you'd, you'd like to kind of off the bat maybe just mention or things that have worked well for you in the past you know there's nothing wrong with an n equals one um you know and, yeah, and, exactly. and how and how you found things I love that question and this one always gets me really excited because it's this very intimidating thing if you're not used to cooking for yourself or you maybe just used to cooking a certain way for many years and now suddenly you're like oh well you know how do I do this um, and how do I do this in a way which is fun and easy and quick I think we're all very busy so you don't want to spend hours in the kitchen so my approach is usually I don't even have the time to open the recipe book so start small basically just decide you want to incorporate one type or two types of new foods, go to the supermarket or your local farmer's market if you're lucky enough for that. And just, there's so many to choose from and just pick maybe two or three. And then when you're making food, just throw it together. Basically, that's the nice thing about vegetables. It's quite hard to get the combinations wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you do, that's the best way to learn. So, and even, yeah, so things like top little tips and tricks. I love having frozen peas in the freezer, for example, because I make my dish and then I'm like, oh, I'll just boost boost this dish with an extra fiber variety and just pop a few peas in here. Or always, you know, there's a few standard things that I buy every week. So I always have the baby spinach in the in the fridge. You can just pop it in your stew or your soups or salad. But I would definitely just, you know, have fun with it. There's lots of resources. Um, don't overthink it. You don't need fancy sauces. You don't need fancy equipment. You can just together and keep it easy and fun and yeah just <laughs> I'm always amazed like when people get over the first barrier of you know cooking their first broccoli they're like oh this really wasn't that bad and I was actually quite scared to do this yeah, yeah exactly yeah you're so you're so right and I think it's that um just giving things a go and then you're always going to get better and better the more you practice and you cook some of these foods and um, if you're throwing some of these random veg or fruit into your into your day you know you're going to figure out what you like and and um, like you said in terms of if it's easy if it's, it's accessible um, and I like that kind of conversation around toppers as I call them so you know you're finishing a meal you've got spinach you've got peas you know you've got things like sweet corn um, I know we'll do that in stir fries or you know we might we might put some of those into an extra like a like a bolognese or something like that so 
Um, it's just having having the ability to pull things out of the freezer. Um, and yeah, I think in the past there's been conversations around like you know frozen veg, especially that kind of stuff. You know, it's 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 no good or it's it's nutrient poor or anything like that. And I think it you have to be realistic and and look at um, it's you know it's obviously another portion, it's another color. Um, and and in terms of you know being cost effective and being able to store it, it's brilliant and it adds different textures I think to meals too because if you are trying to, you know if you're trying to eat similar foods but sorry eat similar meals but then just try to bring variety I think it's obviously the mouth feel, um and the textures and and the flavors that are really important and you can just enhance meals without having to become, you know a a you know like a chef standard to be honest you know those are sort of small little hacks that really that really make a difference. Yeah, and I'll let you in on a little secret but. Even though I cook all the time and I absolutely love it, I'm still even quite shy to cook for other people because, you know, you can feel like, oh, I'm not a chef, I can't do this. But actually, you have to have fun, go with it. And then the cool thing is you can just make it oh, taste good for you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just try try the things that even though you think you might not like, then you're like, oh, do I really like cauliflower? Just give it a few tries and, yeah, see if it goes. Yeah, I agree. Like, we did you it. my group, so thank you for it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, you might feel better over time, like you said, and then, you know, picking up on the cauliflower point, we even uh, gave a go just, uh, what did I do? I kind of think, did I, did I, I think I grated it and then added some egg and cheese and, um, and, you know, made into a bit of a pizza base. And that was something where I think, you know, am I going to do that all the time? Um, if, you know, if it tastes good, that could come in once a week, you know, in replacement of a takeaway pizza or in replacement of a, a sourdough pizza that we might make. So again, it's just, it's just something different. Uh, and, and I think it's stick or twist, isn't it, in your food environment, if you like. That was a lot of effort. Um, it's maybe a, a once or twice a month thing or a once off, you know, and you shelf it or you think, actually, that's coming into my week. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be using that as like one of five evening meals or something like that. And then and then what I'm hearing for you is, you know, that will start to impact um, and, and support, you know, support uh, feeding this this internal community. Um, and and helping things there and then who knows over x amount of uh, weeks months if you're doing that consistently you know are, are you are you feeling better are you able to to um you know make decisions um are, are, are you feeling you know good in yourself and um you know being able to i don't know sleep well or or um are you being able to push through a little bit more in exercise and it's like i think i see it as like a small variable benefit to begin with and then obviously once you get further and further down the rabbit hole and you and you realize how how important you know these these things are to your health um and and your overall well-being then um you know there's there's nothing really stopping you and it becomes a real you know it becomes like it sounds like it's a you have a strong value system to you wanting to bring in a lot of diversity to your diet through the week regardless of how you know, busy you are, you know, you work full time before the call, you know, you said you've got a puppy on the go, <laughs> lack of sleep, but then, you know, it's important to you, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So I think it's, it's building it up. Obviously you're like, you, you know, the listeners are clear understanding that you're enthusiastic about this. You read about this in your spare time, but obviously it's, it's taken a little while to build it up, hasn't it? Like you haven't just gone from day one to, to, to having this, you know, extremely diverse diet trying all of these different meals and, and, and snacks and things like that. It's, you know, you've, you've probably worked at it for a, a while, haven't you? Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's a personal journey for everyone. So you 
just have to figure out what works for you. You try different things. And because we don't have this point where we, we're able to follow a completely personalized nutrition plan, um, and that's, it's not actually only to do with nutrition, it's also the rest of your lifestyle. Are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting enough exercise? Are you happy? Are you spending time with friends and family? You know, all these things are also very important. So it should be a, a holistic approach to this. But yeah, just figuring out what's, what works for you. For myself personally, this started off as a journey of, I was working an exceptionally stressful job and I was always feeling very tired and stressed out and, um, you know, I, I just thought they need to just figure out what it is that's causing this because there's not that much you can do besides, you know, yeah, just figuring out what it is. And so I started eliminating all the different food groups and then slowly reintroduced them to see what it was that was causing these issues. And it's amazing once you figure out what it is. I mean, this might not be the same for someone else, but for me, I figured out it was dairy. Um, and then once you cut that out, it, it's a game changer and you <laughs> can change your life around that. But the awareness of knowing that the things that you feed your microbiome, there's a, there's a two-way connection there. So if you're eating a lot of um, junk food, you will feed the microbes that want junk food. And so they will send signals that you just want more of this. And so it becomes like the cycle. So to break out of it, it's just easier. Just like slowly start eating fiber-rich foods, um, like we were discussing earlier. And so you'll actually start to really want those and you might also want those. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, taste taste profiles and things. I know people that have, say, eliminated um, added sugar and, and processed foods and things have communicated to me, you know what, I'm tasting the sweetness in fruits again. Um, yeah. Things like that, you know, finding that fascinating and just, you know, slowly, slowly titrating down a few meals and snacks and like you said replacing it with some more of these of these fibrous foods vegetables that grow above the ground um you know maybe i'm a huge fan of some of the some of the root veg too you know some of the some of the soluble fiber in there and 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 loads of healthy vitamins and and this color you know in some of these sweet potatoes and 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 um, things like that so and generally they're low barrier of entry to be able to cook um and uh yeah obviously it's it's something that has to work i suppose in a graded manner with someone but that there's there is a low barrier of entry i think it's it's obviously a complex area of research and we can't you know we can't obviously slide over the perfect like plan yet because everyone's different but we do know that actually if you try a few food swaps like 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 uh you did um, and I think you just play food detective with yourself. And sometimes those conversations can get a bit like, well, you know, friends and family could be like, oh, you know, why are you cutting these things out? And that can get a bit people can kind of, you know, really lock horns because because diet obviously is so personal because we all eat. Everyone thinks they're nutritionists and things. But if you're just changing a few things like you found a food group there, did it in a in a graded manner um, and, and took your time with things. And just assessed um, what am I bringing out and, and what am I bringing in instead and how do I feel? Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with 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 doing that, I think, as, as long as you're doing no harm. You know, it's it's a self-experiment, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that I would love to ask a question, which I had various listeners ask about nutrition and exercise and especially endurance sport. And, yeah, maybe just talk us through thoughts on, you know, you hear all of these things out there 
that sugars are in, sugars are out, should we have enough of protein, when should we be doing this? And I appreciate this is a very <laughs> big topic, but maybe just high level, I think it would be very interesting to just hear what your thoughts are um, and what your top tips are to op- operate at optimal um, endurance and efficiency when you're exercising. That's a great question. I think um, I think it's important to again step back and think about the context of your situation. And there's there's in my mind there's a, a nice separation you can do between um, tra- training nutrition and, and competition nutrition. So um, I'm not saying that we're all uh, athletes here and you know you're you're going to be performing at the top level. But everyone doing endurance sport probably has something they're working towards. You know even if it's just a passion, they might be entering a charity race if it's running or cycling or when things open up there's a there's a lot more of this outdoor swimming or something like that so I assume there's something in the calendar that someone's working towards and then obviously they're there's they're putting in training so say someone's fortunate enough to plan ahead three four five six months um, and and in my mind I'm thinking what's the life load like at the time leading up to this event and um what does the training look like in terms of the demands day to day? So there may be a day where duration is longer um, and intensity is quite high or intensity is very high. Uh, duration isn't isn't too long, but obviously there's there's quite a lot of stimulus in the system there. And hopefully if you if you are doing it in a progressive manner to look after your health, you have days where they might be, um, as I would call, you know, light active something where you can hold a conversation and you might be building up from depending on how fit you are 30 minutes to an hour or something and then moderately active in 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 you know a way of kind of describing when the intensity is going up a little bit more um you might be able to chat a little but you can't you know you can't really hold a conversation and you're really starting to have to focus on the modality itself you know you're less aware of surroundings things are getting a bit like wow you know I've really got to concentrate here and then and then the high intensity or you know the longer duration where you're completely dialed in you're really not aware of anything else and you can't really think too much about the rest of life you're you're kind of really in on that performance and you know and having to like basically push through so hopefully if you have a periodized approach there then your your training's different on those days so that means your nutrition i think should be different too and you've got you've got these kind of tanks your 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 fat as energy your muscles and your liver and and as as you probably know Tatiana you've got you've got a reserve in your muscles that's larger than your liver depending on the person someone's muscle mass as well you know they're going to store the vegetables that we've talked about above the ground and below the ground and say any any kind of added sugars sports nutrition products anything with glucose written on the packet yeah and then fructose uh, fruit sugar so from natural fruits and again these sports nutrition products with fructose in them, um, alcohol, and then if there's anyone listening in the US, mostly they have you know high fructose corn syrup and things in their food products, probably a lot more than than over here. Um, and and then I'm considering you know if if we're using these sugars and you know using the term high GI or something that absorbs quite fast, you know we're going to get them into that energy tank quicker. But then in terms of uh, health, and if that's something you're doing all the time, as we spoke about in terms of uh, our metabolic health, our physiology, um, can we sustain, you know, using that dietary pattern over time? 
if we are just building up towards something once a year and we're training because we love training and, and, and we want to feel good um, or you know if if there is a real competition season and and someone is moving towards a performance and they really do need to restock and recover very quickly and the performance is more important to them then there may be a bit more of a mixed approach of using some of these foods and products that do provide fast recovery and replenishment so i would say in in a training phase to work up towards that if there is a harder day a longer effort somewhere where you need to recover quickly you know the the the, the liquid beverages uh, the semi solids as i would call them things with a bit more moisture that could be homemade or um or bought and things and then solid meals or if you had these snack bars or you know you made you made your own things to bring along um, it really depends on what you're doing afterwards and you know how aggressively you need to recover and I think sometimes people don't quite get the balance between when they're training towards something they're almost thinking I need this competition approach now and I need to go and buy all of these things that I've been told to use you know to, to recover quickly and rapidly but most people I speak to aren't training intensely you know ev- every day and then if they are, you know, is that sustainable anyway? So then obviously the harder they train, the more they're pulling out of their muscles and liver. And that's where they can start to crave sweetness. As you said there, if, if you're then feeding those those foods, those processed sugars and some of these takeaway foods and things like that, and your your body's noticing that that's what it's getting, you know, there can be a bit more of a, of a vicious circle there where you're looking for fast energy your trainings uh, are high intensity all the time and then and then you've got quite a, uh, a you know a nutrient poor but quite a higher calorie diet um, and then there's just some you know there's some maybe potentially some slight dysregulation there so I think 80 to 90 percent of the time you know can can you fuel things in a certain way where you're, you're you're trying to use a food first approach as i would call it and then on of obviously if you're doing something longer two three four hours you're doing a, a longer effort on a day running or cycling or something and you're bringing some of these sports nutrition products or things in infrequently you know then it's it's kind of like it's fit for purpose but then if you are someone who really wants to take control and you want to home home make sorry you know make these things yourself then again it just takes time to train the gut to to basically take these foods and these drinks and things in you know while you're on the move so the the athlete gut as you call it is really interesting because it is it, it again you have to play food detective and take and take time and i think just consider it's a roundabout of an answer but i think consider training nutrition versus competition nutrition we know to perform your best, to reduce fatigue, uh, to reduce perceived exertion, to push through increased endurance, you know, carbohydrates are still king and stocking your muscles and your liver, you know, is a smart thing to do, you know, for that competition. Like if you and I were going to go and run a half marathon, you know, that day, two days before, we'd want to get it up. But if we were training, you know, both work full time, if we've got the half marathon in four or five months and there's one you know, say we do train three to five days a week, we're on it, but there's one real key training session that week. You know, maybe there's there's a point of using some of these products then, but then, you know, can you keep them in a bag, in a cupboard, and then the rest of the time you're trying to follow your 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 your, your healthy eating, that pattern to to support, you know, support things so you can try to 
eat for performance and also eat for health in tandem but it, it is you know it takes it takes time does that does that give you a bit of a help it's kind of a bit of a roundabout answer yes that's a great answer i'm sure our listeners are very happy to <laughs> i've had such a very clear and um, an in-depth answers to that so thank you very much matt um yeah i was wondering if there were any other points that we wanted to have a chat about before we wrapped up but it's been very very useful session and um yeah maybe just share your, your instagram handle and where we can find out more about nutrition and during sport yeah definitely definitely well i think for like from from my side obviously people can easily contact me on matt guard nutrition that's like my um my website and then my instagram is just yeah a bit more fun kind of like away from work i'd say so you know i'll, I'll do stuff when i'm not working but it's an easy way to get hold of me um and then yeah i think before we go i'll be interesting to know you know you're constantly reading you're interested in in how this field and things are advancing and and what are you quite excited about? Say someone's listening, they've they've increased the diversity of their diet. They they're quite aware of of um you know the the real power of food now in in terms of uh, they're feeling the mood boosting effects. They're exercising. They're really starting to tick some boxes. I think you know that real you know the sexy stuff, the stuff that's like top of the pyramid that people really like the edge. You know, say they're doing as much as they can from someone whose head's in this all the time. You know, what's something for us to earmark maybe for the future that that you think could be quite impactful in terms of this, you know, th- th- this, uh, um, you know, gut bug area and, and food? Uh, well, I mean, if, it, if it's specific to the gut microbiome and food, I think this, this concept of personalised nutrition and just being able to sample all the creatures that live in our guts and come to a point where you can identify which groups or which clusters of bacteria are associated with good or bad outcomes, that would be very powerful and then we could use that to optimize our life. But we, and I know we didn't touch on it during this chat, but we also have other microbiomes on our body. We have a skin microbiome, we have um, a microbiome in our lungs. There's many different parts of our body that harbor these creatures that perform very vital functions for us. and yeah, I'm just very excited to see where all of this is going. There aren't that many studies on it yet, and we're only touching the tip of the iceberg of all the information that's still yet to be discovered about it. But yeah, it's just there, there's always something coming out, and yeah, very exciting to, to learn about it. Excellent, excellent. So look, maybe down, you know, maybe down the road we can get you back on, and we could pick a, you know, we could we could pick a certain section and really dive in. I think it's been a great introduction to you, your passion and um just yeah getting people that listen to this show to think about uh the gut and and how food can influence mood and um you know just just how they feel generally i think you know really really thanks so much for your time um i'll obviously link to your instagram i'll link to the 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 work that's going on with that uh uh, program and 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 interventions through uh, some of the information you said about the the zoe project and stuff um and and the the book uh, the gut. Is there anything else, you know, for those real kind of um, passionate people like us that are interested in reading anything about? I know you mentioned the journal Nature. Have you got any top tips that I can put in the show notes for people to read up a bit more or keep in touch with things that, that you like to read about or, or watch? Absolutely. So there's some wonderful resources on Instagram. If you don't you know, most of us don't have the time to read a big scientific journal paper that was published, but they are great resources. Um, one of my personal favorites is Dr. Alan Desmond. He's um, 
a gut specialist who also recently published a book on a gut friendly diet. He's like, you know, in, on the front line working with patients who have a very disrupted microbiome. There's, there's top tips to keeping healthy. Then there's Dr. Megan Rossi, she's um, from King College and also got a gut specialist. And there we go, that's the one. <laughs> Not to show that to her, but yeah, she's wonderful. Um, Tim Spector, he's a great resource. He read, um, the, uh, he wrote the book The Diet Myth and Spoon Fed, and that's also all about the gut microbiome. It busts all kinds of myths around food, which we tend to believe, but actually there's not much claim to it. And yeah, so those would be my top tips. Dr. Alan Desmond, follow him. Dr. Megan Rossi and Tim Spector. Those are my top three favorites. Amazing. So, thank you very much, Matt. It was wonderful having you in the chat. And, um, yeah, hope, hope to speak soon. Yeah, definitely. No, I really appreciate it. And um, if yeah, if you're still listening, lovely people, then yeah, please, please give Blue Plate Planet a follow. That's how we met, basically just talking about um, our, our love of scratch cooking and food on Instagram. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant to see and do. And please share the show if you like it. And, um, you know, from my end, obviously, if you have any questions or comments, just let me know. Um, you know, I don't want to say Tatiana, you're, that you're available all the time, but you know, your 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 page is obviously very accessible, and if if people have any questions or comments, I'm I'm sure they can they can direct them towards you if that's okay. Absolutely, I'd love to see you there. <laughs> Pop by and say hi on my Instagram page. Cool. Yeah, always happy to to connect to people. Yeah, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Okay, um, great, lovely people. We'll speak soon. And yeah, just just consider the power of food every time um, you know you you construct a meal over the next week or so, and see if it has any effects. Thanks. Bye.